It's amazing to me that God, after all these many, many centuries and millennia, still provides moments for each one of us that I've just started to call those aha moments. A moment of certain clarity about our reason for being here and the ultimate meaning of our lives. And I had a couple of big ones in my life, those aha moments, and one of them always comes to me on this particular solemnity of Holy Mary, Mother of God. And thinking back on it, it was 14 years ago, in the year, I guess, 2010, uh, I was the dean of the Episcopal Cathedral in Fargo, North Dakota. And I was uh, up there as a Texas boy in the middle of ice and snow. I was way out of my element. Uh, but I had a close friend here in Houston, a very dear, dear friend, who actually spent time assisting Father Mario at this parish, Father Jeffrey Steenson. Uh, Jeffrey was the Episcopal Bishop of New Mexico when I was the rector or the pastor of the Epis big Episcopal Church in Lubbock, Texas, uh, St. Paul's uh, on the Plains Episcopal Church. And Jeffrey and I got to know each other very, very well. Well, he, at some point in the, the middle of the, you know, that first decade of this century, uh, left the Episcopal Church and became a Catholic priest. And when he did that, he knew where I, what I believed. We were both basically totally and completely in love with and dedicated to our Holy Mother, which was pretty unusual for Episcopal priests. But uh, he knew where I was. We had served on some committees together, and he, he flew up to North Dakota. He's actually from North Dakota. But he flew up, came to the cathedral, and said, Steve, you've got to go talk to Cardinal DiNardo. I said, oh, yeah, I know. I know I need to. I want to. But Dixie and I were not quite ready. We, the Holy Spirit had been pulling us out of the Anglican world to come home. And we knew it. I actually knew it a long time before I knew it. So about 14 years ago, about this time uh, in the year 2010, I flew down here to Houston and had a meeting that basically changed my life with, with one of the most amazing, humble, brilliant bishops I'd ever met, Cardinal DiNardo. And we spoke for probably three hours. And we spent the whole time talking about our Blessed Mother Mary and about Marian spirituality and about the apparitions of Mary in the, in the 20th century and before, which is one of the areas I have studied my whole life, how God still uses Mary to bring people back to her son, Jesus. She's still at work. She was at work in my life. And the aha moment for me was when I realized that she is the one who'd been pulling me to the Catholic Church my whole life. 
my whole life. With every rosary I said every day, with every rosary class I taught, with every class I taught on Mary and her apparitions throughout time, she was leading me. And at the end of three hours, the cardinal said, well, I will, I will sponsor you as far as this process takes you. And hopefully it will result in you being a priest in the Holy Roman Catholic Church. And none of us who came, Jeffrey Steenson, me, all my 90 or so other brothers, Father Blick, uh, who was here before me, my dear friend, none of us had any guarantee that we would be ordained when we left the Anglican world and resigned our orders. And we were willing to come in with no guarantee for as far as the Holy Spirit wanted us to go. And it was meeting with Cardinal Donardo that opened my eyes to the fact that I was basically home in my heart. And so I resigned my orders in the Anglican world in 2011. And uh, we moved to Houston in uh, February of 2011. And I entered a two-year process of preparation uh, for ordination. And Cardinal Donardo ordained me to the priesthood uh, in 2013 on June the 25th. And the aha moment in me was when I realized it was all about Mary. It was all about her. She was my mother who was guiding me in this process. And I'm grateful, so grateful to her, to now Monsignor Steenson, uh, to Cardinal Donardo, and for everyone I've met at this part of my journey. And so I read this, this gospel lesson today on this amazing, amazing solemnity. And I see the different things that get brought out in different parts that, you know, that we've studied. We've been reading Christmas stories basically for well over a week. And Luke, we've read several times. We finally get little bits and pieces in the passage today that make it all clear to us. We find in our passage today that after the shepherds, the shepherds were the first ones to be told by the angel, the announcement that behold, there is born to you this day in the city of David, the Savior, who's Christ the Lord. That announcement made to shepherds in the field in the middle of the night. And the sign that this, the angel said is you go to Bethlehem and you will find there a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The one who would give his life as bread for the world, our food for eternity, placed in a feeding trough after his birth. The shepherds were so overwhelmed by that, they worshiped there right in the, the stable. We're told in this lesson today that they went back and couldn't stop telling people about this news that the angel said was good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so we, we find that they went back and were constantly sharing the good news when they were told and then went and encountered themselves with their own eyes, with their own senses, the little newborn baby who's the savior of the world. 
They couldn't stop telling people about it. And we shouldn't stop telling people about it either because we have the same encounter here today that they had with Christ the Lord who gives himself to us in this holy sacrament, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. And we see the wonderful words in this passage today that Mary remembered these things and treasured them in her heart. She didn't forget. She remembered the archangel appearing to her in Nazareth. How could you forget that? And so, when we, whenever we sing the, the wonderful hymn, and I love it, Mary, did you know? Did you know that your baby boy? The answer is always yes. How could she forget the, the angel speaking to her? The angel singing with the shepherds in the, in the manger, in, the, in the, uh, the cave in Bethlehem. How could she forget? How could she forget Simeon holding the baby Jesus and saying, this child, this child is the one, or the prophetess Anna in the temple in Jerusalem proclaiming he is the one. How could she forget those things? She didn't. Luke tells us she treasured them deeply in her heart. And that leads us to believe, and me as a historian, too, I've studied too much history, uh, we know that Luke spent time with Mary. That's the only way he could write Mary treasured these things deeply in her heart. So Luke spent time with her. One of the traditions is that Luke was the one who in charcoal drew the first icon, wrote the first icon of Mary. You can go to Jerusalem and see the one that they say was the one that Luke drew. And so we know that during those first few days that life had turned upside down for Joseph and Mary. This child that God brought into their lives through Mary not only changed their lives, but changes, changes our lives and the lives of all who encounter him. And then on the eighth day, we're told, this is the only mention to it in the Gospels, on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised, shedding his blood for the first time, a harbinger of what would come later when he would pour out his blood for the life of the world for the forgiveness of our sins. This was the first shedding of the blood. And so, who did the circumcision? That question always comes up, and we don't know. The Gospels don't tell us. It may have been a, a rabbi, a Pharisee in uh, Bethlehem. Uh, we know that Mary and Joseph were very particularly uh, conscious of fulfilling all the points and the prescriptions of the law of Moses, teaching Jesus all about keeping the law. Or it may have been just an elder who was there in Bethlehem who did the circumcision. Or it might even have been Joseph who did. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us. But on the eighth day, today, Jesus was given the name of Yeshua the name that the archangel said was his name before he was even conceived in the womb. Yeshua, the Hebrew word for salvation. It's also known as Joshua, Jesus, Jesus, 
His name means salvation. So when Simeon gave his song in the temple and said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, thy Yeshua. He's mentioning the holy name. And so there's a particular prayer that is always said, a blessing. I've been to a number of, uh, I've got a lot of Jewish friends. A good part of my wife's family uh, are Jewish. And we've been to bar mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs and brises and circumcisions whatever you want to call them, there's always a prayer that is said, a blessing that we read about in Numbers chapter 6, our first lesson today. And it is arguably the oldest written blessing in history, in any culture, any language, anywhere. This is an ancient blessing in Numbers chapter 6, attributed to Moses, because it was the blessing given to Moses on the top of Mount Sinai by God himself. A blessing when God said, Moses, this is the blessing. You are to teach Aaron, your brother, the high priest, that he and all the priesthood throughout time will use to bless God's people. This is the blessing that was said when Jesus was circumcised. It was probably the blessing that was said when he was presented in the temple on the 40th day. And at every bar mitzvah, bar mitzvah, bris that I've been to, it's also said up to today. And so I get chills when I, when I hear this because we know that at Jesus' circumcision for the first time on the eighth day after he was born, some elder rabbi, Pharisee, or even his foster father, Joseph, said these exact words to him. The exact words. This gives me chills because these are the exact words, not in English, in Hebrew. Someone, maybe Joseph himself, maybe the local Pharisee who was there, or an elder said these words to the baby probably upon the circumcision lifting the baby up and saying this blessing Yevarecha Adonai Vihishmerka Ya'er Adonai Panav Vihishmerka Isa Adonai Panav Eliezer Vihasem Lakashalom The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Those words on the eighth day. And Mary remembered all of these things and treasured them deeply in her heart, passing them on to Luke, who passes them on to us, and we need to pass them on to others because this is the greatest story ever told. This is a story that we are part of. It continues for us and to us and through us to right up till today. The story of the angel saying, Behold, I bring you great joy, good news of great joy, for the Messiah is born, the one long expected by God's people, the one hoped for by people, the one who fills the emptiness in us, the emptiness that nothing else and no one else can fill, only the Lord himself. And we know that through his holy mother Mary, we have his story today. 
and we are part of that story. And remember that there was a debate in the church in the early centuries, and some people still try to debate it today, even though it's not debatable. How can you call Mary Theotokos, the mother of God, the God-bearer? There's some of our Protestant friends say, oh, no, 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 no. I said, who is Jesus? He's God from God, light from light, true God from true God. Is there more than one Jesus? No, there's just one Jesus who has a human nature like we do. He received that through Mary, and he has a divine nature through the Holy Spirit. Not two Jesuses, one. And who's his mother? Only one person fits that bill, and her name is Mary, Miriam. So we, we praise uh, God for giving Mary to us and continuing to give her to us over and over. You see, she's still doing everything she can do to get us to turn our faces back to her son. And she gives us what we need so that we can focus on him and love him and then share that love and blessing with those around us. Jesus continues to change the world through his Holy Mother and through us. When we draw near to him, we see the same face of the Savior that the shepherds saw because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see the same face, the same love. We encounter the same grace and mercy and compassion that Simeon received and Anna received that the shepherds received, that the Magi received when they came to him. And so we come to him today ask, asking him for his blessing, giving us, us his very best. And we know that he always does. He gives us himself. And he comes into us so that we have an opportunity to take his light and his joy and his love into the world and change the world for him. That's the purpose and the meaning of our lives. That's the aha moment for us. Why are we here? To spread the good news of great joy. What is our purpose? To take his love and mercy and compassion and shower it on others just the way he has showered it on us. That's the aha moment, and we give thanks to God on this, the eighth day of Christmas, on the solemnity of Holy Mary, Mother of God. Merry Christmas.